This is Revelations Radio News with Andrew Hoffman and Tim Kilkenny on the Revelations Radio Network. Podcasting to you from the stormy forest of Meadowdale, Washington, where I, for one, am happy that Bill Gates' marriage is unhappy. I am one of your hosts, and my name is Tim Kilkenny. I'm from Cascade Locks, Oregon, where it is recently cloudy, but previously sunny. I'm Andrew Hoffman. <laughs> and from the sunny climes of western Japan, I am your third co-host in this three-legged stool, James Corbett of CorbettReport.com, and I'm going to hijack your your guys' show right off the top to issue my heartfelt apology, because I feel like the serpent in the garden. I have stolen your innocence when it comes to your usual intro banter about the weather in the Pacific Northwest. I realize now that was such a mistake for me to call you out on that last time I was on your guys' program, because now, as a listener, I'm sitting here listening week after week, and hats off to you guys for doing a weekly program now. Um, but I'm sitting here listening to it week after week, and it always there's always that uncomfortable part where you're trying not to talk about the weather, but I know you want to go for it. And now I have to admit, as a listener... I'm kind of waiting for it, too. So okay. I, I'm sorry for having stolen that in- innocence from you. You guys should absolutely tell us all about the Pacific Northwest weather every single program. You know, <laughs> and we we did hear from other people who were like, like, no, we like the no- random Northwest weather chat. So, hey, <laughs> you know. Oh, man. Anyway, so on that note, I should say this like out loud because we're all doing a show together. Uh, and in case there's some sort of weird break in the show, I got rain here in like a significant amount. So if we lose power, then <laughs> that's what happened, guys. So if some, okay. suddenly I'm completely disconnected, that's see. There's weather is. talk that is also news talk. Yeah, yeah. this is definitely <laughs> this is definitely it could be very relevant to this phone call. So anyway, um, and uh, not well, sort of relevant. Sorry for the crying in the background, but uh, yeah, nobody would understand I, that. I did tell I did tell someone I passed on a hiking trail like amazing weather uh, for April we're having, isn't it? <laughs> and this was two days ago. So <laughs> I don't I don't know if that's a pandemic thing or if there's some other you I know, just an- lost in a lockdown, but I was we're fifteen days now, seventeen days into May and I'm still t- thinking it was April. So <laughs> I think that's an adult i have kids and i have no idea what's going on the minor no, details yeah. of life yeah for me it's i i work at home so i have no conception of what day of the week it is or anything you know funny just, you should me- mention that that's exactly the boat that andrew finds himself in yeah so well james uh you know one of your uh recent topics that you've covered quite a bit is Making news for wrong, right reasons, uh, Bill Gates. And I, I've heard a couple of your your takes on that you kind of share my opinion that he's not really getting taken down and the truth with the Epstein deal isn't really going to come out. Um, has any of the, the recent stuff changed your mind or is that still where you're, where you're at? Hey, look, I am totally open to being proven wrong about this. And I hope I am, to be honest. Yeah. Let's, of yeah. course, I hope that this really is the, the opening of the floodgates and we're going to see it all. 
Um, I have been following the latest twists and turns in the new coverage, and maybe there's some Me Tooers going to step forward against Bill, and there's definitely some things happening in the New York Times and elsewhere. I just saw a report just before we hopped on this call from the Daily Beast uh, talking about the latest with regards to the Epstein allegations when it comes to uh, 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 Sir Bill Gates. Um, specifically, Jeffrey Epstein gave Bill Gates advice on how to end toxic marriage, sources say, which starts by saying bachelor sex offender Jeffrey Epstein gave Bill Gates advice on ending his marriage with Melinda after the Microsoft co-founder complained about her during a series of meetings at the money manager's mansion, according to two people familiar with the situation. And it goes on from there. There's actually quite a few interesting details in here, including the fact that the Beast is reporting from their inside sources that they uh, there were many, many more meetings with Epstein than have been reported. Uh, I believe they used the word dozens. And that apparently Bill really liked going there because it was an escape from Melinda and other such things. All, of course, is being denied by the foundation. But uh, at any rate, there's... There's more information that's coming out. And again, I that now they're trying to line it up. They say that she started the, the divorce proceedings back in 2019 when uh, the meetings with Epstein were coming out into the news cycle and uh, they're lining it up that way. I, I could be completely wrong, of course. It's just speculation on my side and uh, I, I'm not holding my breath for it. But if and when I'm proven wrong, trust me, no one will dance the jig of joy more jauntily than I. <laughs> sure. Yeah, and... I'm with you though. I'll I'll believe it when he is behind bars and not not a second before. Um, because even still, and that's the report I was talking about. You know, he, okay, he met a bunch of times with Epstein, and they're kind of hinting around. Well, you know what Epstein got in trouble for, and why would Bill be hanging out with him? But they're not. No one's actually accusing him of anything illegal at this point. No, in fact, the Beast report, <coughs> excuse me, the Daily Beast report goes out of its way to yeah. point out that uh, no one is accusing, no one's saying that Bill was there for the, for the. I, I was going to say women, but obviously young, young children, essentially. Sure. Um, no one is, is accusing him of that. They say that he liked being at the, the dinners with all these, you know, high ranking people and everything and talking to them. At least that's what's being accused. But again, from these anonymous inside sources, tr you know, trust him as far as you can throw him. Yeah, I mean. I, you know, it's like uh, people who read uh, Playboy magazine for the articles. Of course, you know, Bill was just there. <laughs> Bill was just there for the for the uh, for the camaraderie. Witty repartee. Yeah. Yes. yeah. And the, the marriage advice. Yes. Epstein. Yeah. <laughs> um, it makes perfect sense. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I don't know what's what's going on. I tend to think, um, you know, it's either. This is a, it's a limited hangout and it's it is to kind of soften the blow of some, you know, whistleblower or something that's going to prove he was with Epstein a lot more than he had previously admitted to. Um, and then we're just going to go pretend it never happened and just move right up right along. Kind of like the the Hunter Biden stuff. I mean, there's literal pictures, documentation of business deals with uh chinese spy officials and there's you know not even a hint of him getting in trouble uh, his what what is it like his lawyers 
best friends now, like the Justice Department person in charge of the supposed investigation. So if they want to protect Bill Gates, they can protect Bill Gates. And the guy's got unlimited resources to protect himself. Um, so I, I don't tr- I don't trust what's happening. It doesn't feel organic at all to me. And, but. and I would agree with, on that point. I think I feel I feel like he's maybe being used again as a tool. And he did get for the first year ever. Thanks a lot to uh, James and uh, your uh, work that your documentary that you made. Uh, but he got a lot of bad publicity uh, this last year. For the first time ever, you know, you started seeing, you know, you know, uh, protests in Australia where they're holding the, you know, who cares about Bill Gates signs and all kinds of uh, protests around the world where they're kind of calling him out. If this feels like maybe somebody within the, you know, friends of Epstein, servants of Satan is kind of turning on him, like maybe just I don't know, maybe it's some infighting. Or something. I don't think, of course, that he's going to be imprisoned or anything quite like that. But it does feel like the maybe they're kind of t- tossing one to the wolves, and that the PR was already so bad with him that they decided to <laughs> yeah they just they decided to just like hey let's let's let some stuff come out let's let him get me tooed yeah and then I, continue I continue forward the, the agenda only, and making millions. The only thing I would correct in what you're saying there is is this is the first time since the 90s that he's received this kind of mm-hmm. PR because people might forget That's back true, in the I 90s. Forgot, yeah, yeah. A lot of people understood this was an evil monopolist, horrible guy that was not – you're not your friend. But somehow that all went away and suddenly he became Saint Gates. That's true. You know, lauded by the Reddit community and all of that. That's true. Um, but you're right. There's definitely a, a change that's taking place. and. Um, I think this goes to underline the point that I've been at pains to make over and over when interviewed about uh, who is Bill Gates and things like this, that I, of course, I do not think Bill Gates is the top of the pyramid. And if and when they need to throw him under the bus for the benefit of the larger agenda, they will do so. Um, again, I'm not expecting that it's going to lead to jail or anything like that. But it, it's very, very possible that he's being sidelined right now and obviously is not the slick PR salesman for this agenda in the way that mm-hmm. maybe an Elon Musk or someone is that, you know, can at least capture the minds of and hearts of the young fan, tech fanboys until he starts badmouthing Bitcoin. But that's a whole other thing. Um, <laughs> but, but yeah, Bill Gates is clearly not a good salesman for this agenda. Uh, you know, a lot of the things when you read about Gates and what he's like in person, I, I tend to believe it's probably very true. He genuinely is an, a social idiot who oh, yeah. genuinely uh, get him started on a topic and he'll lecture at people for hours about it and is uh, argumentational and uh, argumentative and confrontational with people about things. And uh, I'm sure that is what he is like. And he he believes himself to be an expert on everything that he studies and loves to lecture people about it. That's just who he is. So it's, uh, in a sense, uh, I think this is just a natural, the, the foundation and what he's doing is a natural outgrowth of who he is at base, which I think is a eugenicist elitist, but also a loudmouth, braggart, egotistical idiot who is a social idiot who is not a good salesman for the agenda. And he's not, again, I don't think he's running everything. He's not the, you know, the center of this. He's just the public face of it over the past few years, but that could be changing. Yeah, he's a spoiled kid. I mean, right? The kid never, he never had to work. He stole the idea for MS-DOS from Seattle Computer Company. He's just a spoiled kid who kind of... I was just thinking that today. It's weird that you bring that up. But in the Who's Bill Gates documentary research I was doing, I I read, you know, his father's autobiography and looked at all, you know, millions of interviews and everything. And yeah, the one thing that really struck me that I was just thinking about today is... 
I have no doubt he was a spoiled little kid oh, yeah. who was indulged in in every way. You're the greatest. You are so smart. You know, they I'm sure his family played into that. And that's just how he approaches the world. Now, there's a there's a story that's often told about one time when um, his family was getting ready to go out somewhere. And they called down to him in his little basement layer that he had um, where he was busy, you know, reading some some book or something. And he said, you know, Bill, come on, you're you're, you're late. We got to go. And he's something like, Mom, I'm lost in a book. Do you ever think about anything? And it's often related as like kind of, oh, you know, <laughs> funny little Bill just being like that. But it says a lot about, I'm sure, his home life and the way that he was indulged as a little boy. And that's exactly who he is as a grown man. Yeah. You went went to school right over here, Lakeside Lakeside Private School. I mean, it's a it's a it's a kind of a pure, strange existence. I don't say pure, but just sheltered is the word I'm looking for. Existence to be going to that school and just be kind of you know, his mom was already working for IBM at the time, so she had all the connections for him. He steals the idea for Seattle Computer Company uh, from Seattle Computer Company for MS DOS, and then gets hooked up with IBM, and magically they start putting it on all their on all their computers. I mean, it's it's just bizarre. It's a it's a it like it's a strange parallel of Steve Jobs's thing, but with like less discernible talent. <laughs> yeah. At least Jobs was a good salesman. You got to handle right. that. And, and, and Jobs came from nothing. Like, his parents were just regular people. He was adopted, and his parents were just normal people. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So, the, you know, we've got that sort of good news happening. And then we've good but maybe confusing uh, news cycle. And then there's this whole mask thing. Yeah, the CDC with their, uh, their new guidelines. So the CDC kind of seemingly out of nowhere comes out and says uh if you're vaccinated you don't need to wear a mask even indoors they were you know and and this is after saying uh you know maybe by the middle of summer you can have an outdoor barbecue while wearing a mask you know that um so we we've gone there i threw a a story in the folder uh, we don't have to to read it it just department of justice goes maskless will not ask vaccination status so the federal department of justice uh saying you can come to the office you can wear a mask not wear a mask and there's there are emails that were um forwarded on from inside the department reminding managers that they are not allowed to ask vaccination status so this goes very contrary to the whole like, okay, now stores are going to check and see if you're uh, vaccinated thing. Um, I went to a local post office, local grocery store, no mask, no one questioned anything or you know asked me to put on a mask or really said anything about it. They certainly didn't ask for proof of vaccination. Uh, my wife went to to Walmart today. Same thing. No one. She said she was pretty much the only one not wearing a mask, but there was not. Uh, there was no one at the door asking for your vaccine card. So this is, I think, a good thing. But Tim, I, I know you were a little concerned about uh, the next step, the, the problem, the reaction to the pro, to this problem. Yeah, of, problem, reaction, solution. This just feels like put, pitting a bunch of people versus the other people. And how are we going to know which ones are following the rules and which ones aren't? If only there was a way to come up with that we could tell who was vaccinated and who wasn't. I don't know. The whole thing is kind of just 
confusing and it just shows the complete lack of logic that is involved in every single step of this whole, whole ordeal. But uh, James, I, I have some uh, on a on a more personal note. My workplace is now saying that if we show our vaccine card, we don't have to wear a mask. And, and as soon as it hit home for me, I was just like, oh, here we go. This is, you know, this is just a weird deal where the government isn't implementing it. As, as everybody thought, you know, we kind of predicted and thought that would be the direction everything would go. But it's going to be small business. It's going to be businesses that are going to kind of push it forward. And it, I don't know, in a lot of ways, I feel like this is our chance. This is where we say no. And this is where we move forward. Um, because I don't, there's no end to it in sight if we just keep going into this. Um, anyway, your thoughts, James? Uh, a thousand percent agree with everything you're saying. Um, this is the obvious move. The only thing that's surprising to me is that they didn't come out with this move. First of all, this is the carrot and stick all rolled into one because, of course, the carrot exactly as Dr. Lena Wen was talking about on CNN a while ago. I think you guys played that clip. At any rate, I did have it in my episode 398 on Science Says, which for the record, was the video that uh, that was the straw that broke the camel's back on getting censored from YouTube. Um, how dare you talk about the philosophy of science? But I had that clip, clip of Dr. Lena Wen openly outright saying there on CNN, yeah, what we need is uh, to, it, there has to be some carrot that we can use to incentivize people to take the vaccine. So don't open up don't everything. No, 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 no. What you have to do is you have to tie opening up to vaccination so that you can say you can have your freedoms back if you get the vaccine. And she was openly saying that. I couldn't have written a more obvious script. So obviously the carrot is there. And the stick, as you say, is the problem reaction solution that we know where this is going. You're walking around without a mask at some point. Uh, you know, there will be stories in the media going, look at all these anti-vaxxers who are walking around without masks now and they're not being challenged about it. What will we do? And, oh, hey, we've just happened to have an IBM health pass that we've been developing and working with. And, oh, you know, let's use that. Yeah, of course we know where this is going. And you're exactly right. Do not do not bow into the pressure. Do not give up. Um, if they're going to mandate you show your vaccine card or you wear a mask, then whatever. If you have to continue wearing the mask, then continue doing it. And then it will be the visible sign that you are not going along with this. Um, I will refrain from using a, a dirty word, but uh, this nonsense. Sure. Uh, because it, it, at the point at which people start acquiescing, oh, I, you know, I just want to get rid of this mask. I just want to go back to life as usual. And uh, at the point at which you start showing your vaccine card or as I've talked about before, forging some vaccine passport certificate <laughs> thing, which I've just read the FBI is apparently now saying is a crime. So there you go. Um, at the point that people start doing that, they've essentially ceded the ground and we've lost not just this debate, but really uh, this is it. This is the debate for the future of the human species. I keep making this point now because this is exactly what the entire COVID-1984 dystopian nightmare nonsense has all been about, is about getting us to this point where we will enter our most basic fundamental rights into negotiation and make it a part of a discussion. And we know where that discussion goes and we know where it ends up. They are trying to have that discussion so that they can bring us to the point where most people will willingly step into this totalitarian nightmare. And uh, we cannot allow that to happen. I, I agree 100 percent. I, I, I couldn't I mean, I couldn't agree more. Seriously, that is it is it really is like the future of humanity at stake. And it sounds you've been you've been harping on it and it sounds high, high and mighty. But I really I feel like that's true. 
But even here in, you know, communist utopia of Seattle, I I got like half, half the people I know are in, are taking it and half of them aren't. And it, it should be interesting to see kind of what this new, you know, step in the, in the progression of things does where it's now become this like this really big, like it'd be so much more convenient if you could do this. And now it's going to be, it's going to go from you, sh- you have to, to, well, is, wouldn't it be con- more convenient if you did? Um, but I, I don't know. I still see a lot of people who are just like, no, no, I'm not. And I, I really feel like maybe I just, just, maybe just my own, you know, it's not necessarily scientific or objective, but just my own view and all the different people I talk to throughout my day to day, I feel like they've hit a hard stop on the vaccines that are being given out. I feel like the numbers dropped off a cliff. They got to a point now where it's, you know, what Ohio's giving out a, a you know, a chance at a million dollars. The, the Blasio's trying to give a Shake Shack free fries. All this money's our tax money's supplementing these stupid drug companies to get the, everybody to get better compliance. Joe Biden is in charge of absolutely nothing. The drug companies and everybody's running the show here. And it, people just don't, they're like done. Like, they, you know, they'll keep wearing the mask and take it off when no one's looking and, and just move forward with life. But they're, I think they've really hit a point where people don't want it anymore, you know, and they're yeah. saying, they're saying and, smart and, stuff like this hasn't been tested. I don't <laughs> want anything that hasn't been tested. Yeah, this, exactly you know? <laughs> right. No. And the harder they push, the creepier it becomes, I think, yes. for the average person who can still think. I mean, it's like, yeah. like when you're trying to ask out a girl. If you're a little too desperate, that will basically assure there's that's a hard no. Um, I legitimately had a person say to me today, why are they pushing it so hard? It just weirds me out. Yep, 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 yep. Yeah, it is. It is inherently creepy. It is. And let me bring the international perspective to this. Um, I've been uh, obviously following the uh, the news and information coming out of Canada, my home and native land. Mm, Um, What is going on, buddy? Well, I, I've noticed that uh, the CBC, of all places, is reporting on uh, vaccine deaths um, that they are saying is linked to the vaccination. Uh, I, I think they're specifically going after AstraZeneca at this point, but there's been a couple of confirmed deaths in, I believe, British Columbia. And I saw the latest uh, CBC.ca report on this. And in the comment section, which I was amazed to see they even still have a comment section because pretty much every MSM is eliminating that since Mm -hmm. people say naughty things and don't say, don't don't go along with the script very often. But uh, in the comment section, there were people, there were people questioning it and saying, you know, why are, why are people lining up to take these experimental injections and things? And there was some, at least some degree of, uh, of, of uh, enlightenment I don't know if that's the right word, but in the comment section, which is particularly interesting because obviously you're there in the the commie Pacific Northwest. But I would say even the most, you know, diehard card carrying communist in the United States is still probably a bit to the right of the average Canadian. Uh, Unfortunately, Canadians are exceptionally brainwashed, very smug, very much think that Canada is so much better than the United States. We're so much more civilized and unfortunately much more willing to bend down and lick the boots of any authoritarian jackboot as long as they're from the government because the government loves us. So that even Canadians are starting to openly question this, even on CBC's heavily moderated comment section shows there is concerted pushback on this. On the other side of it, I am blessed to be living in Japan, where uh, which has the 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 lowest and slowest um, rollout of the vaccines of any developed nation in the world at this point. Yay. Um, 
so far, they've they I, I think they've injected one percent or two percent of the population or something like that. They're still just rolling it out to the elderly, and they've only just in the past couple of days set up some sort of electronic system where you can book an appointment to go get injected, but only for the elderly, only 65 and up. So, and apparently this will take most of the rest of the year. I mean, it's just, it, it, I would say this is just terrible incompetence, but actually, of course, yay, yay, yay. Um, (laughs) Japan, Japan is known as a bit of a vaccine hesitant nation and uh, has one of the latest schedules for, um, for uh, children and infants uh, vaccination of of the developed world. Um, They eliminated the MMR back in the nineties after some, um, adverse events and things like this. So uh, Japan is a bit of a vaccine hesitant nation, as it's known, um, which is working in our favor, I think, at this point. Um, it is coming, but it's taking a long time. And the more these stories come from around the world, country after country, at least banning the AstraZeneca jab, um, hopefully that will happen here as well, um, perhaps before they even start rolling it out to the population, because I believe at the moment they only have Pfizer, and that's what they're giving to the old people here. Um, but... It, uh, again, I th- I think the whole AstraZeneca, it's look, it's the AstraZeneca one or the Johnson and Johnson one. It's these adenovirus ones, not the mRNA ones from Moderna and Pfizer. You notice that that those ev- adverse reactions are not being reported on. I think this is part of the psyop to convince us that the mRNA vaccines vaccines are safe and good as mother's milk. I, I think that's part of what's happening right now. It's Pfizer's and P- in uh, Moderna's PR campaign. Um, are vaccine, yeah, well, vaccines being pushed as hard on kids in Japan? Go ahead and cross that off the list. I guess not. Thank <laughs> the good Lord. Well, One thing I wanted to mention after visiting Canada every year growing up, my mother, you know, born and raised in Ontario. As a kid, I never really noticed too much of a differences in the provinces. But since this whole thing has started out, I feel like I have started to identify some real differences. It does feel like... British Columbia does in Alberta seem like kind of the wild west, whereas Ontario in Quebec are much more authoritarian center centric. Am yeah. I am I at yeah, all yeah. right? No, with that? exactly right. I'm from Alberta. Um, it is the Texas of the North, and uh, sure. with all the implications that that carries, including that kind of wild west renegade kind of idea. Anyway, in the population, traditionally it has been very much a more individual kind of going alone and, you know, less government, the better kind of place um, that ha- I'm sure that has changed in the 20 or so years that I haven't been living there because a lot of people started coming to Calgary when there was the, uh, the uh, uh, economic booms of the past couple of decades, especially in the oil and gas sector. So sure. a lot of transplants from Eastern Canada. Um, so I'm sure it's changed, but at any rate, that's kind of the, the, the core spirit of at least Alberta and I think most of the West. That's why there is, I mean, there's always at least talk of the Western separation movement and who knows, maybe we could become part of some greater Cascadia or something. Um, I'll believe it when I see it. But anyway, I think that spirit is there. So yeah, it doesn't surprise me that the most authoritarian stuff is happening in in Quebec and Ontario. Ontario, especially. And I have a cousin actually who lives in uh, British Columbia. And every time I talk to him, he's like, who cares about what's going on in Ontario? We're fine out here. It's like, okay, man, it sounds nuts over there. He's like, just turn off the TV. I'm like, no, I'm not. Of course I'll turn off the TV. Anyway. Well, and and on that note, um, one thing I wanted to to bring up, just kind of a, a theory I'm working on, is that the propaganda is always 
uh, kind of showing you like uh, horror stories from somewhere else where you're you're not close enough to really verify uh, is that really what's going on? You know, so like recently we've been getting oh India every single person in India is dying. <laughs> you know, millions and hun- hundreds of millions of people they'll probably all be dead in a month uh, from COVID. You know, n- d- let's not worry about the starvation. Let's just worry about the COVID. Um, and let's not talk about the ivermectin scare stories run by CNN and all that. But but the effect here is like, oh, look how bad it is in India. You should be thankful that there's easy access to vaccines and you should make sure you take it because somehow you'll magically be protected against the variants that we're blaming all the breakthrough COVID cases on. Um and that kind of the same thing with Canada. I, w- I was kind of wondering what, what your take was as far as is it really authoritarian as our media is is kind of presenting it? Like, like sure, we're authoritarian, but you could be in Canada where it's really bad. Or is that more of a, a media-created perception? So they... You know, they're hyping the arrest of the pastors in the streets, but you also see the guy going through the airport and they, you know, they tell him to, to stop for COVID testing and he just keeps on walking. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, it's a, such a good point um, that we are conditioned by what we see and what we see tends to be the videos that go viral because they are the most fireworky and whiz bangy, like the pastor being arrested on the side of the road kind of thing. Um, But I just uh, as we record this, I just recorded an interview with Dan Dix of PressForTruth.ca there in Canada, who just posted a video of going through a travel checkpoint um, in which they were apparently, I guess now they have set up these, you know, zones in which you can travel. And if you are traveling through the zones, you have to have some reason to travel, you know, the kind of draconian nightmare dystopian uh, Nazi level stuff that uh, we've seen rolling out across the globe is apparently there in Canada now. So uh, Dan was traveling with his wife through one of these checkpoints and he recorded the whole interaction. And I suggest people go watch it because it's kind of the exact opposite of those dramatic fireworks viral videos um, where he just calmly says, uh, they say, where are you going? What are you doing? And whatever. He said, I'm going home. And, oh, OK, where have you been? And you know, what have you been doing? You know, I'm not going to answer that. I'm not going to I don't I don't feel I need to tell you that. Um, and he just sticks with it. The, the officer insists, no, you have to tell us we're doing this COVID check, blah, blah, blah. He says no. They ask him to pull over. The supervisor comes and just says, you know, we're just doing checking and making sure people are abiding by the COVID restrictions, blah, blah, blah. And Dan says, yeah, OK, I understand. And he says, are you going to tell us anything about where you're going or what you're doing? Nope. And so they say, OK, you can go. So it's uh, this is the type of thing that I wish would go as viral as some of the more fireworky type of videos, because, uh, again, all, we generally we only see the videos where things escalate to 100 and become the most dystopian and horrible. And we do need to know about those things and that they are going on. But we also need to see people modeling, just saying no and sticking by it and knowing their rights and being calm, not being confrontational, or rude or trying to escalate the situation, just asserting their rights and sticking to it and then going through because yeah they do have no legal authority to do this uh, no matter what their funny pieces of paper signed by whatever legislators happen to be in power right now say they do not have the fundamental right to do this and we have to we have to exercise those rights and you don't have to be confrontational about it if you want to be go and do it but if not just just be polite and courteous but say no and and mean it 
And I, I think I, I, this is the type of thing. And so, yeah, what? how do we know? If you're not there, how do you know? And even if you are there, again, Canada is a big place. There's a lot of different places and a lot of different situations. And what you see being modeled in one video isn't necessarily what's going to happen for you in your own context. So I think we just have to be centered in ourselves as much as possible and to be authentically who we are and express our freedom in the way that we can and let the chips fall where they may because that may be out of our control but at least what we do and the way we react is within our control amen <laughs> yes especially that last part that's every day i wake up and tell myself that let the chips fall where they may i'm gonna do what's right stand up for what i think is right and, the, and it, it seems like most of the whole rest of this last year is built off of social pressure don't you know, you don't want to be the guy in the in the uh, store who's not wearing a mask, do you? You don't want to, you know, you don't want to kill grandma. You got to put on a mask. You got to get a vaccine. It's all social pressure. There's no laws. There's no crackdowns. It's a lot of just, hey, let's see if we can use weaponized social media and other things to get people to do the things we want them to do. Yeah, and lots of times you'll hear people talk about, oh, I'm forced to wear a mask or, or you know, your coworker Tim, who, who said I'm going to get the vaccine just because I want to get, ba- I want to travel. Live you know? my when, life. When, when there are no travel restrictions on unvaccinated right. people, um, so it's like you know, we've got to be careful with our our language and and just kind of that capitulation of oh, forced to do this, forced to do that. Well, you know, know the difference between someone pointing a gun at you and and saying do this or I'll I'll shoot you or haul you off to prison and a bogus mandate coming from a, a bureaucrat governor where you know if you read the fine print it's not really a a mandate it doesn't have the force of a law it's just a recommendation it's a, a fancy strongly worded recommendation which is <laughs> what a, a lot of this stuff is and for instance, for instance, the rule is simple. Wear a mask or get vaccinated. It's like, oh, wait, hold on a second. Let's just double check that. So you're the president. You make no rules. Laws <laughs> yes. are made by the legislature, like voted on by the legislature, enforced yeah. by the judicial. There's no rule, old man. There's no rule. Like, you can't yeah. just make a rule. <laughs> it, you can't deputize a bunch of businesses to be your mask police and to be your uh, vac- proof of vaccine police. It's just it's it's not legitimate, but we it doesn't matter if it's legitimate or not if we go along with it. So we got to stop going along with it. Exactly right. No, allow let me underscore exactly what we're we're circling around here, because this is so important to understand. You're exactly right. It is about social pressure. That is the primary means of control. And I think if we you know, take zoom out and take the real, you know, 20,000 foot overview. It's not just about COVID-1984. It's about every aspect of this is fundamentally about the social pressure. Um, That is what is going to steer us off the edge of the cliff and, you know, be the end of the humanity in the long run is people just going along to get along and trying to fit in and not trying to make too much of a wave. And I think that's because uh, narrative, as I keep coming back to, narrative is so important. It's fundamental to what's going on. And if people have a story that they that makes some sort of sense in their head, as long as they don't think about it too much, but one in which they can be the good and virtuous person by wearing the mask and taking the vaccine and doing their social duty and blah, 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 that narrative will be 
utterly convincing. And they can shape those narratives and turn them around on a dime and make you believe the exact opposite of what you believed yesterday um, because you're just following what's being told to you. And that's exactly why I think the thing that we have to avoid above all is to avoid them steering us into the dialogue trap. Oh, we're, you know, yes, of course, you have these fundamental inalienable rights, but <laughs> there's a pandemic, there's an emergency, there's a reason. And yes, of course, we have to be very careful. What about the people who can't get vaccinated? Not, not the people who refuse to get this uh, uh, experimental medical injection. No, the people who can't because they've been told by their doctor, we don't want to discriminate against them. So we'll have to put in the right restriction. We can't restrict everybody from every space. There'll have to be blah, blah, blah. And you know exactly where that conversation is going to be steered. And at all times, it will see, seem perfectly reasonable and and oh okay oh i get it oh that makes sense all right yeah and it will be just enough of a narrative to steer the mass of people over that cliff and that's why avoiding that saying not just no but hell no there is no discussion there is no discussion to be entered into on our fundamental inalienable rights i don't remember that clause in the declaration of independence <laughs> we hold these truths to be self-evident except <laughs> in times of emergency or if you right. think there's a you know, nasty virus going around <laughs> no no there was no discussion with king george there was no oh well you know we we think we have these rights because of this and because of, no we hold these truths to be self-evident there is no explanation needed or necessary there we just proclaim it and then we make it happen by violence if necessary, but hopefully right. not at that point. But at some point, we do have to draw that line and say, no, this are, there is no discussion about my ability to travel freely from one point to another. There is none. You cannot enter this into any sort of dialogue. And until we recapture that spirit of no, absolutely no, this is not a discussion. I, I hold it to be self-evident. I don't even need to give you a reason why I have my fundamental freedoms. Until we recapture that spirit, it's... Uh, it's not going to be very well for us. It's not going to play I, out very well for us. I, I agree 100%, but I've noticed two major impediments to everybody kind of taking up the same thought process and moving forward, claiming our rights. One of them is the boomers all seem to still believe the TV, at least a significant portion of them. And the other one is the younger children, uh, Z, Gen, Gen Z, younger millennials have been brainwashed through Reddit and all this other stuff that to be a good citizen, you have to mask up, get your vaccine and stay home. And so these are the these are the two confluences that are, are are working against us, where we're working against the hive mind of Reddit, who thinks you know, and gosh, they must love it, right? People who have no discernible skill or ability to go out and work and earn money can now be heroes by just staying home and playing video games and ordering Uber Eats and wearing a mask and getting a vaccine and then yelling at people who don't wear a mask. Yeah. And on the other side, we have the the older generation who still, for some reason, Walter Cronkite, uh, ghost or yeah. whatever it is, they still believe the TV. And so, yeah. you know, you know, orange man, bad. We got to get rid of this virus, the medical industry. Good. Contrary to everything they've been shown through their lives, but they still remember Leave It to Beaver and the actual, you know, family doctor who cared. Yep. And that all ghosts of all their, you know, what was kind of maybe the highlight of Americana, the 50s and 60s, continues to carry on in their minds to being now that they think that this is still the same place when it's clearly fundamentally not the introduction of general mm -hmm. uh, genetically modified organisms in the nineties, as well as the drug companies being allowed on, to advertise on TV in the nineties, the introduction of social media. I mean, this is not the same world, but they can't seem to figure that out. 
at least many of them. And so we have these two different factions that are working against us in that. And then throughout all of them, of course, there's the at least, I would say, 30, 40, 50, maybe even 60% who are just like fed up with it all and just want to move forward with our lives. Doesn't matter what they have to do to get there. So I, I, I don't know. It's just it's a it's a it's been uh, it's been a long time in the making. And one thing 2020 showed me was that this had all been in the works for a lot longer than I thought. You know yeah. what I mean? Like yeah. looking back, I was like, gosh, why didn't I see this? This was being you yeah. know, the, the grounds for this were being laid. It had been uh, going for a lot further in the past, but also was approaching us at a much higher rate of speed than I than certainly I realized yeah, uh, even a year ago, but Alex Jones. And it's yeah, real. I mean, I, I don't fault anyone for that because the acceleration is absolutely happening. And part of that is enabled by the technology, even the technology that was developed in the past decade that has made this nightmare so much more feasible than it would have been. You know, remember before we had smartphones, before right. everyone was carrying a smartphone around in their pocket, that that was only a decade ago. But now it's almost unimaginable. Um I think that, I mean, you're right. This is a multi-headed Hydra and there's so many different things to tackle. Let me tackle one of them here, which is, I think, part of this explicitly anti-human agenda. It's not even transhuman. I've been trying to say post-human as a way of, of getting away from that transhuman phrase, but maybe anti-human is really the way to phrase it. That <laughs> is the underlying part of this agenda. It is to drum out humanity, to es essentially make the human species go extinct one way or another, whether that's by modifying them out of existence or creating some sort of, you know, cyborg, whatever, implant species that isn't human at all. Part of what is happening and has been happening for probably our entire lives, if not longer, is drumming out the the basic passion and spirit of people, the passion for freedom that I think really did used to be there. Uh, and sure, a lot of it was hocus pocus and smoke and, you know, whatever, but at least the rhetoric was there. And at least there was the idea that you were supposed to believe in this and be passionate about it. But now we, uh, you know, in the post post ironic age that we're living in, oh, you know, you're you're passionate about something that's weird. Oh, you know, you're a crazy person. And I submit as example, <laughs> <laughs> numero uno, uh, someone who I, I seem to recall came up in your guys' discussion uh, in the past few weeks. You were talking about Alex Jones and your varying takes on his antics and abilities and passions and presentation. And I thought it was interesting because if I recall, and don't let me put words in your mouth, but Andrew, I think you said something to the effect that you um, obviously I'm assuming you don't support where he went with the Trump train and all of that. But back in the day, you know, 10, 15 years ago. Uh, it was interesting. You 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 enjoyed listening to him and got something out of it. And Tim, I understand you're on the he sets my teeth on edge. I don't like listening to him. <laughs> I get too worked up. Can yeah. right? Yep, that's a hundred percent. Well, yeah, okay, okay. He, so I, okay, listen. So I've come prepared with a clip. <laughs> all right, all right. Yes. No. Okay. Let me contextualize this. I think I'm on Team Andrew here. Okay. Uh, go back 15 years. I was very much a daily listener to Alex Jones and Infowars. Sure. I absolutely detest and deplore the fact that he's become everything that he railed against back in the day. The left-right divide. He obviously went full in on that. He's literally calling for martial law, went total Trump train, has flirted with the Q stuff and all of that. I mean, total nonsense. 100% goes against everything that he supposedly stood for. But back, listen to early, you know, early mid-2000s Alex Jones. It was a different person with a message that I am still, to this day, on board with. And I... I must admit, I uh, so 
here in Japan, uh, during election cycles, um, you get the people driving around with the loudspeakers on their car kind of thing, you know, yeah, please wow. vote for my party, I will make Japan great, <laughs> you know, whatever. And so one of those was driving by as I was out with my son the other day. And uh, I was like, oh, that sounds like a boring political speech. You know what? Let me show you a good one. And uh, so I showed my son uh, the Alex Jones clip from Waking Life. Do you remember seeing that? Oh, that's oh. the one. That's the one. With the animated. The animated yep. one that. Uh, yeah, the rotoscope Philip animation where he's driving around with the loudspeaker on the car. You know. Yep. yep. I want freedom. That's what I wanted. That's what you should. <laughs> yeah. I'm showing my boy that, and I'm like, yeah. And honestly, I feel like when he puts on that show, and I'm sure it is a show, but at any rate, it, there is there is passion there that is undeniable. So. I want to take you back. I don't know exactly when this is from. I'm going to say 2010, 2011, somewhere in there. Probably when I just stopped, about the time I stopped listening on a daily basis. But here is the Alex Jones Beebler rant, which you may or may oh, not be yes. familiar with. But I want you to listen to the the way that he cycles up this passion. I think uh, there's something to be at least observed here. Look, when you realize how fake it all is, the football, the basketball, the, the Lady Gaga, the Justin Bieber, uh, you know, who g gives you these carbon tax messages, they tell your kids they got to love Justin Bieber, and then Bieber says, hand in your guns, pass the Cybersecurity Act, and, uh, you know, the, the police state's good, and then, and then your children are turned into mindless vassals who, who now they, they look up to some twit instead of looking up to Thomas Jefferson or, or looking up to Nikola Tesla or looking up to, uh, to Magellan. I mean, kids, Magellan's a lot cooler than Justin Bieber. He circumnavigated with one ship the entire planet. He was killed by wild natives before they got back to Portugal. And when they got back, there was only like 11 people alive of the 200 and something crew and the entire ship was rotting down to the waterline. That's destiny. That's will. That's striving. That's being a trailblazer and explore. Going into space, mathematics, quantum mechanics, the secrets of the universe. It's all there. Life is fiery with its beauty. It's incredible detail. Tuning into it. They want to shatter your mind talking about Justin Bieber. <laughs> I, love I love that. that. I unironically love that. And as much as I love that, I love this and even your children more. Children are turned into mindless vassals who who now they they look up to some twit instead of looking up to Thomas Jefferson or or looking up to Nikola Tesla or looking up to uh, to Magellan. I mean, kids, Magellan's a lot <laughs> anyway, I'll let you look that up on your own time. Just for the record, that's Alex Jones Goes Heavy Metal by Andre Antunes. Oh, I nice. suggest you watch that. But so was it just quick, quick side note? Wasn't a bunch of guys at Infowars, like in Jason Burmess and some other people, like making videos of this the rants that he would do and setting it to music, and they all knew like all the words. Well, so I heard some story like Jason Burmess when they talked about Hillary Clinton is a is a. He's dead, the devil. She smells like sulfur. They made that into like some auto tune. No, no. The, there was a. There's a video of that. Yes. Um, 
Okay, we've played it on the show, but anyway, every all those guys, Paul Joseph Watson and Burmis, had that thing memorized because it is it is absolutely hilarious. It's an actual Alex Jones rant, but but put to uh, kind of indie soft music. Yeah, we yeah. I'll I'll find it at the end. We can. Play I missed it. that. Okay. Anyway, show, I'm but. sorry to derail the conversation no, no, and no. to inject this incredibly contentious subject into the middle of the podcast because, of course, Alex Jones has become this contentious lightning rod of a figure that it's mind-boggling to me that out of the thousands and thousands and thousands of hours of broadcasting he has done over decades, if you ask the average normie on the street, the only things they will know anything at all about is he was harassing the Sandy Hook parents, right? That right. was what his yeah. entire show was about. Yeah. And or... They're turning the freaking frogs gay. That's it. Yep, yeah. And yep. that is, I mean, honestly, to me, that speaks to the narrative, the overall narrative that they're trying to set. Again, anyone who has passion or speaks about things like, you know, Magellan, quantum mechanics, the secrets of the universe, is <laughs> passionate about that instead of passionate about a Justin Biebler <laughs> or whatever, <laughs> uh, whatever that, is trending in the news. I that's mean, that, crazy. <laughs> yeah. Well, that, it's, and, and let me let me clarify my position at this point, I feel attacked, James. No, I'm just kidding. No, but, no, no, uh, like, no, 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 no. This isn't an attack. I, I miss, an I miss attack. that. I miss that, Alex. Like I really do. Like I miss that, Alex, where he was talking about life. You know, I remember, I remember one time. It was just this is back during that same time period. And by the way, during this time period, I remember you were calling into the show. Chris White was calling into the show. All these people who I was starting to look up to and listen to on podcasts. We're all like meeting at this central location, which was calling mm -hmm. into the Alex Jones show. Chuck Missler, all kinds of people. But I remember one time he walked out. He goes, you know what? I walked out the other day in Austin. And the stars were out. And it's just the world is so beautiful, man. And the galaxy. And I just think, you know, they're just trying to they're just trying to get our kids and stuff. But we're going to win, you know. Because the life is good, and we have human spirit, and they don't have that. They're just animals. And like one of those like rants like stuck with me. I was like, yeah, that's so true. And it, I just I miss that, Alex. But mm. over the last year or so, I have to tell you because during that time period, I kind of fell off of him. And mainly the reason I fell off of him is he would say, I just got sick of the uh, the, the up in the ante. And it's it's kind of what he has to do because. It's the nature of the beast. If you're going to market yourself, you're going to continue to make, you know, kind of one-upsmanship of yourself. He would always say, well, this is the biggest coming up next, the biggest news I've ever. And it's not the biggest. It's like some guy, Lindsey Graham or some 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 guy who goes on and on. Well, who is the oil guy who was always on, who was this huge oh, talker? Right. Yeah, 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 who took hours to get to the oh, point. Yeah. He was, like, he was like part of some group in Alaska <laughs> at one point. It wasn't Lindsey Graham, but it's Lindsey Graham. Yeah, it wasn't Lindsay, or maybe his name was Lindsay. But anyway, but it, he never corrects. Like he never goes back. Like all right, that wasn't the biggest news ever, and that was what annoyed me. <laughs> but but as time went on, I still would go back to him. And I have to tell you, during 2020, I've never liked him more because I started thinking about it, and I was like, so why did I stop liking him again? Because biosecurity state, the end game, core, you know, what was the thing that he's nailed? Medical martial law. I never heard anyone talk about medical martial law. Alex Jones was talking about it 10 years ago. Yeah, and now we yeah, find yeah. ourselves here. And so this yeah, last year, I started going back absolutely. to the well and started listening to him again. And I think when he's on Rogan or whatever, it's like some of the best TV you could ever possibly watch. So, yeah. It, now, well, I, I get it. And I'm not, again, I'm not bringing it up to well, no, no, whatever no, to even enter I know, into the debate. I but I... 
honestly, it's it, the what gets to me is that that passion and energy. Okay, he's a snake oil salesman, like literally selling supplements and all that. I mean, he went, you know, whatever. But the, the passion itself is not misplaced. That is, sure. I mean, that that's is a, something that should not be. We shouldn't look at that and go, that's crazy. That's horrible. I look, I'm talking out of my posterior here. What do I know? But I imagine you go back a century or two, there were more people like that in the human population. I think sure. that is what is being systematically bred out via diet injection injunction. The the basic human passion for going out there and creating and, and exploring and inventing and doing new things and exploring the beauty of the universe has been drummed out of our population. So now we're all just a bunch of, you know, post-ironic, oh, you know, whatever, man, I don't care. <laughs> or, or afraid, <laughs> that or afraid to go to church or go to the store. Right? I mean, what, what's wrong with people? People knowing that, like, let's take, uh, you know, U.S. early settlers going west, you know, it was some r real significant percentage were not going to make it. Like, you dying on the way out west was a real possibility, and people were lining up to go. You know, it's like, I, I want to make a new life for myself. I'm, I'll am i take the risk and, and go get it. And they're not expecting... <laughs> They're not expecting government handouts to, to get them yeah. there. Back in the day, people went on the Oregon Trail knowing that they might very well might die. And yeah. in oh, our you know, in our day and age, people remember. You remember playing that Oregon Trail game? That yes. <laughs> I, I believe we are all the Oregon Trail generation there. That's the, true. You know, very late, born late 70s to early 80s. But, yeah. So, that's... No, I... You know, I... And the thing with Alex Jones is imagine knowing this stuff, yeah. trying to communicate it, and still just seeing, Yay! you know, everything everything going the way it's going. And it, I think it, it generally is frustrating for him, and I think there's an element of showmanship and everything else, but there's, I, I think for the most part, he's, he's telling the truth, and, and there's still... Uh, a lot of the same old, like thoughtful, intelligent Alex Jones, and that absolutely never makes it out now. I mean, if you're not listening to his actual broadcast, you are not going to run across it. Just like James pointed out, uh, the only stuff they let get out to the normies is the chopping up my neighbor. Uh, you know, I'm not letting my children starve stuff so yeah exactly yeah and so anyway uh, getting off of alex jones specifically but on this topic my underlying point is that the that not only the passion and energy and spirit is i think being drummed out of the human population on purpose but also um just the over the overarching point of um the way that the narrative itself is controlled at such a basic level and that we cannot absolutely must not allow them to enter that into a dialogue. Our fundamental mm -hmm. rights are inalienable, God-given. We hold these truths to be self-evident. There is no discussion to be had here, and we have to say that and mean it. And, uh, you know, everyone's going to say that and do that in their own way. But um, well, I, at any rate, we shouldn't laugh at the people who are passionate about that. And the, the Bill of Rights... There was debate about whether even to put the Bill of Rights into writing and, and make them part of the Constitution, because the idea was these are the rights that the government doesn't get to decide whether you get this right or not. A right is something 
that is inherent. It's God-given, and it's non-negotiable. If and if you're talking about what the government can uh, let you do or not let you do, that is a privilege, and that's why you know they want to give out licenses to drive and licenses for marriage. The implication is you don't have a right to do those things. We tell you when you can and when you can't. That's why. Right. You know, and, that, and that will eventually lead to them saying you can or cannot go outside of your own home or go to the store or whatever it is. Insane, oh, right. you conspiracy theorist. It's not a slippery slope. And yet here we are in 2021. Why are you so mad, Tim? That, that's what people call me on when this all first started. They would say, why are you so mad, Tim? I mean, aren't you getting paid? Aren't you aren't you able to stay home with your family? And I could feel reality slipping away. I could feel the rights slipping yep. away. And everybody else is excited because they got a bunch of money to sit at home with their family for a month, which, by the way, was awesome. But I was mad because I knew this is not good. This no. is bad. We are headed in a bad direction. And I don't know if, uh, James, if you saw this, it, it shouldn't have been big news at, uh, worldwide, but it was big news in the U.S. today. They're going to start passing out so-called child tax credits but on a monthly basis like just another step towards universal basic income and you know you don't have to wait a whole year for your government tax refund you get it every month now and it's just kind of this this slippery slope but the the other thing on the the bill of rights issue uh, free speech again non-negotiable and i I hear even people in our community, you know, that are telling the truth about COVID and what have you, and they're, they're self-censoring. People act like you're not allowed to, um, to to tell the truth about COVID or stuff that that cures it or what have you. A lot and of that's I, a lot of that's a, a lot of that's dependence on YouTube. Yes, yes. There's a because YouTube does censor people but i'm talking about just on you know podcasts and what have you like you do not have to be a doctor to have an opinion now the fda has (laughs) done some really shady stuff where uh if you are selling a product you cannot make claims about it that haven't been deemed accurate by the fda so you can't say you know, here, I'm selling you this product and it will cure COVID or it will cure whatever, you know, cancer or whatever disease. But if you are not selling something and you're giving your opinion, that is your right. That is your human right, uh, not just a, and as an American, I would say as a, as a free human being. Um, you could talk about stuff. You could have an opinion. And it I don't know. It's a it's a pet peeve when people are like, you know, now I'm not a doctor, but it's like, well, are you claiming to be a doctor? Or are people confused and thought you were a doctor? <laughs> yeah. So you yeah, know. and let me let me underline that in case there's anyone out there who didn't catch it. No, your rights do not come from a piece of paper, whether the Bill of Rights or anything else. Um, they come. They are again. They are inalienable. They're God granted. They are part of you as a human being, and no government can come in and deprive them of you for any reason, even if they say it's an emergency. And that is the fundamental point that we have to stress. Look, as a Canadian in Japan, let alone a voluntarist, I couldn't care less what the U.S. Constitution says, at least for me and my family, right? Obviously, it has no bearing. But I I do cite the Declaration of Independence because that is one of the few political documents, really a, a document of political philosophy that I can mostly stand behind. 
mostly. Um, because yes, it is it is basically saying we don't care what you say with your laws. That is not that isn't n- nature. That is not natural law. We do not abide by it, and we will overthrow it, and we will be right to do so. Absolutely. My wife sent me a meme I think yesterday, and it just says, "Hey guys, just popping in to show off my new vaccine passport. So excited!" And it's just a Constitution booklet. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's and that's like that's where we need to be. We need to just be just just rejecting this stuff as much as as much as possible. All right, should we get off the COVID for a minute? Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's hard. It dominates entire shows. I think that sometimes people like hearing about other stuff. But any 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 other wrap up things we had to get to on that stuff? No. Okay. Go, go ahead. I only had a couple questions, and one of them was, this is something I'm definitely facing, especially at my workplace, and it just seems to be abundant in every area of life right now. Is there supply chain issues in other places? For instance, Japan, because we have an epidemic of shortages and these weird things that aren't happening. It feels like the economy is crumbling, and it's due to a lot of shortages. So are there shortages and supply chain issues in Japan as a result of the government lockdowns and COVID and baloney? Uh, first of all, hat tip to you guys, and thank you for covering this week in and week out. I, I have been very much, I don't think enjoying is the right word, but you know what I mean, enjoying your coverage of this. Um, you guys are, are de- I, I was first hearing about this and had the way it's playing out in America from you, and now I'm seeing the stories about now it's becoming really hard to buy cars and everything. So anyway, you guys have definitely been on top of that, so hats off to you for that. Um, with regards to Japan... I like, I don't buy a hell of a lot of stuff anyway, so <laughs> sure, I don't sure. know... But but here's something that hit home the other day. Uh, uh, we have one of those. Um, I don't even know what they're called. It's like a coffee maker thing, but they got the little individual packs. Keurig. Keurig. Sure. All right. <laughs> anyway, um, and it's getting hot here in the summer. So, hey, it's time for some iced coffee. Went to buy some at the store the other day, but they had to sign up because of the disruptions. We can't get the supply from Europe. So no, no to you. Anyway, that was just. One very small manifestation of that. Um, in terms of food price inflation and other things, I haven't seen that yet, but I think that'll be the next the next wave of this to really start hitting home, and I'm sure it already has for a lot of people. Um, and with regards to cars, in fact, my wife and I have been thinking about a car. Um, we haven't noticed any sort of any stories about or any any sign that there is a strain on manufacturing here yet, but I'm sure that. I mean, it's a, it's a worldwide thing, isn't it? All the chips and everything that comes standard. We did test drive a couple of cars recently, and one of them was one of these, just press the magic you know button and it will do most of the driving for you. And I hated that experience. <laughs> I was like, no, 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 no. I'm not letting this thing drive me around. But it was it was it was good that I got to do that because honestly, it's one of those things that you have to experience sure. and know this is becoming standard and this it's is going to be a new first, angle. Isn't it? Yeah, it's oh god, it was horrible. And the guy was like, "No, you just let it go. You don't touch, don't touch the brakes. You're okay." I'm like, "No, I'm gonna touch the brakes." <laughs> okay, fair enough, fair enough. Um, anyway, sorry to derail, but no, the supply chain. No, I haven't noticed wanted. it a lot, but I'm sure it is coming. And unfortunately, again, being an island nation and getting so much stuff imported, that's obviously going to be. You guys actually mean. make stuff. I mean, you guys, Japan, like legitimate. I mean, you talk about especially automobiles, powerhouses of automobiles. You got Europe, 
you have the United States and you have Japan, and Japan, you know, cranks them out as, as well as anybody. But a yeah, lot of and those, yet, I guess, are made in... to buy a foreign car. I'm like, oh, I think we should buy a Toyota or something local, you know? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. They'll last forever. Uh, this one is maybe a little bit harder question to answer, but just how about cultural changes? You know, in the last ten years in the United States, there has been so much rearranging the deck chairs in the Titanic of. Who can a trans person play a woman's sport? Can, which bathroom can people use? Are we able to transition our eight-year-olds? Just this horrible, strange. Everybody's scared and super woke to even talk about stuff. I I have visited Japan once for about a week, twenty years ago, and I can't imagine that the cultural changes in Japan are quite as drastic. But have you noticed any cultural changes? in the negative, the kind of deteriorating of the culture there at all? There is certainly nothing like what is going on in the States, at least from what I can see from my vantage point halfway around the world. Um, none of that kind of cultural, uh, whatever that is, disintegration, <laughs> yeah. civil war, you yeah. know, whatever's Co- going on there. None of that suicide. kind of craziness yeah. at any rate, or at least not like that. Uh, there are, I mean, there are things that are going on here and maybe needed things. Uh, uh, Look, Japan really is, um, to the extent that, you know, patriarchal and all of that has meaning. It, I mean, clearly Japan does not treat women uh, very well in some respects, especially in the workplace and, and things like that. So there is room, I'm sure, for changes to happen here. And that is happening to some extent. Um, I can't remember. I, this is a story I saw a few months ago, but there was... Uh, something trending on Japanese Twitter. And it was like a, it's like a parody of the me too hashtag, but it's in Japanese. And I can't remember what it was. Me too, but whatever. It was some kind of Japanese play on words, but it was about, I think specifically regarding the uniforms that had to be worn by women at certain company. And like they had to wear, you know, stilettos or high heels or something. And they're like, no, we want to wear regular shoes. Um, And there was that, that kind of thing. But it is, I mean, it isn't about like, trans bathroom kind of stuff i mean it isn't <laughs> there so um yeah tearing that's, at the that's one of those of topics that i know is extremely important if you're living through it and dealing with this on a regular basis but i'm not in my own situation here in japan so it's difficult for me to to get a handle on that well thank the good lord then that's a that's awesome you, you don't want to have to deal with it if well, uh, stilettos versus regular shoes is the most controversial <laughs> thing going on over there, I envy you. And I, it rings a little bit more true to just what I remember from 20 years ago being there and just that, you know, that would be a hard culture to take down in a lot of ways. But I think that maybe it has its own, you know, struggles well, in a different way. But the the Rockefeller Foundation certainly did its best and with the slightly less authoritarian but still, you know, significant population reduction measures yeah i guess that's and another thing is about is there an awareness of you know like wait a second we've got this aging population and this is going to cause a problem economically and every do other way s- do you still have the negative population growth yes indeed i uh, i think i saw the most recent numbers recently anyway it's still yes the japanese population is shrinking so it is now not just some sort of future trend thing. No, it's actually happening. Um, yes. Uh, and there is awareness. I mean, there is sort of an awareness of that issue. But it's it's one of those things where it's not exactly hitting you right now, right in the face. I mean, COVID, of course, is the only thing we should be worried about on the face of the planet. So that sort of thing that, you know, obviously, mm-hmm. years from now, it's going to be a 
a really difficult thing for Japanese society to manage with as fewer and fewer workers are supporting more and more elderly. Um, that really is a, a pressing problem. And there have been sort of fig leafs of attempts to address it and, oh, well, we should start letting in more foreign workers and that, that sort of thing. But it's it's not really a pressing political issue here. It's not the f- front and center of the daily news coverage. So, um, I yeah. But what what is the what is the answer to that, really? Um, should we have more government programs promoting people to have more <laughs> kids or something? I mean, again, is government the solution to the problems that government creates? Uh but it, uh, yeah, it's I mean, more Japan will be the front. Japan will have the front row seat to this demographic winter that is happening in country after country all around the world. But definitely, Japan will be at the leading edge of that. Watch out for the soy. Mm. Well, yeah, exactly. I mean, again, conversations like that are kind of funny as well from my perspective because, of course, you know, as soy and other things get more and more part of the mainstream American diet is, you know, healthy, trendy yeah. foods. And then people go, but wait, it's estrogen mimicking and all this. Um, but then I, I always find it funny that uh, I'm sitting here in the country with, I think, if not the longest, at least some of the longest lived people on earth. And uh, to see Americans criticizing <laughs> Japanese <laughs> health and diet and things is, seems a bit funny. <laughs> oh, Japanese food is, man, they had it all figured out. Maybe, maybe as Andrew's saying, a little heavy on the soy, but oh, so seafood the grill is t- one of teriyaki, the teriyaki yeah. ugh, every all Look, of it so I, I sticky worship, rice I, I do not worship japan or japanese culture i'm not a you know a big wee wee boo or whatever you call them <laughs> I, I i'm none of that and i won't defend uh, there are bad parts about the japanese society and the conformity and things but one of the things that i truly appreciate here is they really care about fresh food oh, and so uh, fresh ingredients and cooking and so that that is something that is really nice. So, so it might not be GMO soy over there. <laughs> yeah, theoretically, there are various GMO importation bans here. Um, you true. know, how, as far as you can trust the international food supply. I'll get one more question and then I'll leave it to Andrew for anything that he has left. This is the last one that I have. But James, obviously, parent of two children. Uh, Andrew, parent of two children. Me, parent of two children. Um, what... What is one of the things that you would give, like a tip that you would give to others or something that you learned as a parent that surprised you? Is there any like thing that like your son or you know daughter taught you that you kind of learned from them that you, it helped you see the world differently? Or do you have any tips for people with parenting as we both as we all kind of embark mm-hmm. on this same yeah. journey? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I am hesitant to give tips because let's be real. My boy is eight. My girl is five. I, I you know, ask me in 20 years what worked and what didn't. Right. I don't want Fair to enough. sit here and presume that I know everything about parenting. It's, it's a hard thing. Um, I, I It's hard not to give an answer to that that isn't either trite or that doesn't sound obvious. But you have no, to live hit, it to us, understand how important an, it is. Hit us um, with an obvious one. It doesn't have to be deep. I mean, we, yeah. we are kids. We know what it's like. Yeah, exactly. All right. I have some thoughts. One of which is I wouldn't want people to be I mean, I know especially people who are just about to become parents or just became parents and you know just getting into it. Uh, it's obviously you get extremely worked up and you're very concerned and rightfully so. I mean, a, a human's life is in your hands. You can shape this life for the better or the worse. Obviously, it's a huge responsibility. You should take it seriously. But I would want to say to new parents or prospective parents, don't 
don't beat yourself up about it. And, oh, my God, I, you know, I'm going to ruin this boy or girl's life if I don't do it exactly right. And I better read everything that's ever sure. been written. And uh, I don't don't work yourself up to that extent. I think the base level is if you love your children, genuinely love them and are trying your level best to do what's best for them. You are human and you'll lose your temper and you won't do everything perfectly all the time, of course. But if you genuinely love your children and let them know that. I think that's that's the baseline. And, you know, you can work through problems as they arise. Uh, beyond that, I think something that my children have taught me, again, this sounds obvious, but yeah, children really are very different. And I know I knew that consciously going into this, but after, you know, raising my boy for a few years and then my girl comes along and expecting her to be like my boy, you know, it's yeah. kind of the same. I know how this goes. And oh, wait, she's she's a very different and totally different <laughs> personality and different person. And yeah, it, it reminds you. Yeah, everyone is a unique individual and has to be t- taught and related to and and interacted with differently depending on who they are. So that's a that's a good reminder for all of our relations in all of our life that, um, again, people are often looking for the magic bullet. You know, what can I say to uh, wake up my wife, brother? you know, child, whatever. Mm-hmm. Well, no, there's no one size fits all solution because everyone is different and needs to be interacted with differently. Another thing that my, I, I vividly remember my boy teaching me this. He was so observant at such a young age, even yes. as a two year old. And I don't just mean, you know, observant in the most literal sense, although he was that. I mean, uh, there were times when he would be like, uh, oh, it's a fire truck, fire truck. I'm like, what? What are you talking about? And then like a few seconds later, I'd hear the siren. I'm like, wow, (laughs) (laughs) really good. But beyond that, he could pick up on like when my wife and I were arguing, you know, in the car, you know, go this way. No, 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 I'm going to take this route or whatever. And he would be the voice of reason, this three-year-old sitting in the back going, well, we'll go this way this time and we'll go that way next time and we'll see which one's better. (laughs) And it's like, yeah, the child logic is absolutely correct. But as an adult, you have all this baggage and all this, you know. (laughs) So really, the way the child can cut through all that that nonsense and see the, the heart of the issue, that's something that's humbling and in a good way to to remind you that, yeah, sometimes you can overcomplicate things and you get too caught up in yourself and your ego and your identity and you know how things are. You're an adult and everything. But no, listen to the children. Um, sometimes they understand it better than you. So, you know, that's something maybe I should even be applying in my own life a little bit more is asking my children how they are experiencing this new normal. Obviously, as people who are just getting into life and don't have the experience of the old normal. So I need to find out more how this is all affecting them and taking them at their level. And uh, that's something, again, I should be applying in my own life as much as telling other people to. Do they go, do they go to school or do you homeschool or my boy goes to a private school and uh, my daughter does go to a daycare. So yeah, they are there out in the world. Is it uh, Japanese only or is it, bilingual or how how does uh it is japanese only but the it's uh like a it's a it's a private school so they do have like native english teachers and everything there and they it's more it's known for being a bit more of a bilingual school they do english but they also do math and art and gym in english oh neat very cool i I think one of the things that uh, andrew and i both have been you know i don't even know if we've really talked about it as a goal but i Andrew and I, and obviously you as well, James, all think kind of the exact same on this. And we've just made it a goal in our life to make the new normal 
as least felt by our children as possible and just kind of moving through life the best we can. And then talk to. And look, I have to confront and and try to find ways to denormalize the new normal for my children and let them know this is not how it always is and it's not how it should be. And don't I'm trying to make sure that they don't internalize this and start treating it as normal. But it's hard when you're out in the world and everyone is wearing the mask and they're all concerned about Corona. It's hard to Mm-hmm. And get your children to understand how unusual that is. I, yeah, I, yeah. And it's even with this loosening up of the masks they want, they don't want the kids to stop wearing the masks. Yep. And this is, you know, I'm, I'm open to suggestions on this one. I've got, I, I told my daughter, she goes to school basically one day a week and is homeschooled the rest of the time. And I'm like, you don't have to wear a mask, especially outside on the playground. Like, just don't wear it. So she, so I got an email that night, like, you know, hey, Kate Brown, Governor Kate Brown says, clarified and says, we still have to have the kids in masks all the time. And I, I said, well, there's no, you know, there's no basis for it, like, are you going to kick her out or is she going to be okay to play without a mask? So then I, you know, I got an email back from a higher up and trying to kind of smooth things over, but you know, it's, it's tempting just to let it go. There's like three days of school left for her since she only goes one day a week. Um, But at the same time, it's like, you know, if you're not going to take a stand now, but I also don't want to be taking a stand through her. Like she doesn't right. want to wear the yeah. mask, yeah. Sure. Yeah. but um, I also don't necessarily want to, her to feel like she's getting in trouble because she's yeah. doing what I want her to do. And Exactly. That's yeah. the other incredibly difficult part about parenting in general, let alone in this time, is that, yeah, yeah I don't want to be making my stands through my children or forcing my children into things or forcing my view of the world onto them. I want them to be able to explore and discover and become themselves. And I want to obviously inform that and guide that and hopefully model who I am and the way that I live in this world. But I don't want to force it on them. But there are, I mean, you're a parent. You have to make decisions for your children. It is, I mean, yeah, there's uh, so many different issues that come up on a daily basis at the best of times, let alone (laughs) during these times. Yeah. Yeah, I think that... uh... It, it, one thing that's it, been kind of interesting to watch, especially here in the States, is it's never been more obvious that the public school systems are, and I think all three of us would have known this a long time ago, but it's never been more obvious to the normies out there that the public school system is a complete indoctrination camp. Like it just, <laughs> like it just, it's from, from beginning to end, it's just teaching baloney and it completely indoctrination and behavior modification. And you're starting to see a lot of people who are just like, I'm going to, you know, go broke or try my best to get them to go to, you know, to pay enough money to, for them to go to private school. I'm going to quit my job and homeschool. You're seeing that a lot more in the, in the United States right now, which should be interesting to see kind of how that shakes out a whole generation where a, a more significant percentage are going to private school or being homeschooled. Which is a good thing. We should say that's a good news next week. <laughs> mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that is a good bright spot. And yeah, I should be making more of an effort to highlight that. That was good. Thank you, James, for coming on the show again. We certainly appreciate it. No, no yeah, other questions? I appreciate what you guys are doing. Thank you for doing this podcast. 
thank you for putting it out. Um, you know, it makes a difference. And I, you know, I appreciate what you guys are doing. That's awesome. You are main the main reason we started a backup. And since then, we've had a lot of uh, feedback. Things are going well. People are enjoying it. And uh, we're we're enjoying it, too, and getting, getting that feedback and being able to talk to people, meet people. And, you know, we're getting letters and support and all of that good stuff. And it's just been super uh, encouraging. But, you know, I just I should put credit where credit is due. Really? Probably not totally happening unless somebody texts me or i don't remember if it was a text it was i think it was an email you emailed me last year like, <laughs> probably time to start the podcast back up tim <laughs> so thank you thank you for that uh james for sending that message yeah and uh james a couple things that have come out from you lately uh the markets are rigged that was yes. really good people should check that out um well what was the the science what was the one. title of the other one? Oh, the, but also the solutions um, on bicots. I mm. I really appreciated that. That uh, resonated with me. That you can make a lot more positive difference supporting businesses you want to support rather than you know withholding your business from some giant multinational corporation that could care less whether you ever. Yeah you know, patronize them or not. So, which I, I think we should do that too. But yes, the, the bycots, the uh, intentionally supporting businesses that deserve your support. Um, and, or you know, that applies to other organizations, not just spending money, but also, you know, where you, whether it's go to church or involved in organizations, just support those that deserve the support and, almost by default, then you're you're boycotting the the companies that are, are trying to enforce the, the new world order, the the new normal garbage. Absolutely. Those are all all good work. I think maybe one thing that we can kind of end with or wrap it up with, my wife submitted a question that probably I should have started with, but um I, I wanted to ask this to both of you guys. And she just kind of, you know, she's been it's been an interesting journey for her this last year, uh, but she knew I was going to be talking to you, James, and you know she started yelling questions at me from the kitchen while I was trying to do the dishes. And so <laughs> I, wa- I literally walked in and handed her the pen and paper, and so she wrote one down. Maybe this is uh, something we can end it with, and we can all tr- kind of answer. But she said, what are the top two things a normal person can do to fight back against the tyranny of COVID with- and COVID culture and politics? Which... I know it's a pretty loaded question, but, you know, I think we covered a little bit of that, what to do. But what are two kind of discernible things, if you guys can think of it? Um, Andrew, any any ideas? Oh, you got to make James go first. It's oh. a question for him. <laughs> she did write it for him. So, yeah, <laughs> try to take him off the hook a bit. <laughs> All right. I, I can go. Um, okay. Because I will, in fact, steal Andrew. Uh, Andrew's remarks there on boycotts. I think that is an important part of it. And it is interesting, isn't it, how boycott is obviously a part of our regular vernacular, but boycott is not. And why is that? Because it is it is an important thing. And I think that goes back to what we were saying earlier, where you're going to have to do what you, you're going to do and let the chips fall where they may. And it, look, let's be real about this. You personally are not going to derail the whole agenda and everything just by yourself. But at any rate, you have to live with yourself and your actions, not only for now, but for posterity, looking your grandchildren in the face and telling them what you did during the great crisis 
And, you know, what kind of life did you leave, lead? And none of us are perfect, and I'm not sitting here on a high horse and all of that. But at any rate, you have to be comfortable with the decisions you're making, what you do and what you don't. So boycotting, I think, is an important thing. And and that that isn't just a passive thing. That's something you have to actually work for. What do I want to support? And who? And why? And where where, where should I be directing my time and attention and, and energy and money? And everything else. And then that so I mean, even in the process of coming up with your boycott list, you are, in a sense, doing actual work toward helping helping grow the world that you want. You're coming to a better understanding of the world that you want. So it is an it is an important task on a number of levels. Um, what's the other thing you can or should be doing? Um, hmm. <laughs> I, 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 maybe a cop out, but again, I'm going to say standing your ground when and where and if and as you can. And I, I want to stress again, it does not have to be the fireworky, passionate, you know, going off on people kind, but just standing your ground and being unafraid to model what it is to be a free human who does not have. There is no, no, there is no law that says I have to do this. And even if there is, I don't recognize your authority on this particular ground. It, whatever that is for you, whatever your line in the mm-hmm. sand is. Draw it, stick to it, and model that for others. And honestly, I think that the effect of modeling that on other people is the kind of thing you'll never know. You will never know, but someone may see your act of defiance here or there, and that will cause them to do something, which will cause someone else to do something. You will never know the end of a result of that ripple effect. But in the end, again, the consequences you can't control, but you can control your actions. Stand your ground and be firm about it. I like that. Those are those. those well are great. said. Yeah. Yeah. Andrew. Yeah, I'm. You know, I I can't add much to that. Uh, but I was wondering if if James had any projects coming up. Oh, that, what are your uh, two? What are your two, man? Come on. Uh, <laughs> no, I was. I'm, I'm going back. Yeah, almost so got I'll, out of it. <laughs> yeah, I'll get my. I'll give my two then. And my two are. And I've been kind of harping on this, and it's one that's I've definitely felt over the last year. Just the differences in doing it and not versus not doing it. But since the whole thing is based off of our health, staying healthy, trying to eat right, trying to get that exercise, because if you get too stressed out with all this and stuck in the house and that's what they didn't want, right? They didn't want you exercising. They didn't want you in the sun. They didn't want, I think that staying healthy and doing the physical exercise. And as we get older, it's tougher to do those things, especially with the kids and the the busy schedule. But I do think that that is super important. Yes. Thank you for saying that. 100% you are correct about that. And I am as guilty as anyone of putting on the lockdown 15 and being, yeah, uh, yeah the stress and, and all in the work and everything. And it just completely overwhelmed and took over. And now I haven't been concentrating on my own health for the right. past year. So, yes, I need to get back on that 100%. And, yes, show people what it is to be healthy, not you know, getting your donut when you go to get vaccinated. Ooh, I get a free donut. No, showing people what it is to be really healthy is extremely important right now. Absolutely. 100%. That's, that's, that's one of the big kicks I've been on the last few months because, yeah, last year I put on that weight. I sat around. I'm seeing kids now that are in the neighborhood that are overweight because they're all sitting mm-hmm. at home. And, it, and now if, if, we're, if we're really being threatened with diseases – and the comorbidities or obesity, we got to, especially as we get older with the kids, and it's going to be an example for our kids. You know, did my dad exercise? Did he get out and do stuff? So I sent Andrew kind of a horrible picture the other day, but maybe don't exercise by going to the skate park. <laughs> There's my line in the sand, still still going to the skate park with my son, no mask. The other day I flew off a skateboard and cut my knee, but whatever. But you just have to get out. You have to do these things. So 
Uh, and my other tip, my other set, my second thing that we can do is don't be afraid to talk to people. I think everybody is so afraid at this point that the person next to them is not going to agree. And as someone who's blessed enough to talk to multiple people a day, it's not all that it's rarely the case. Every now and then you get somebody who just fires back and it's completely opposite of everything. And you just want to quiet down and just, just get through the discussion and, and maybe move on. But most of the time you can make a genuine human connection where you do agree and you say in there and they'll, you know, they'll even give you a little bit of, you know, this is crazy. What are we doing? And just don't be afraid. They're trying to make everybody afraid to talk to each other. So and personal health and don't be afraid to talk to people. Yeah. And you know, at, in these crazy times, smiling and saying hello <laughs> and making some small comment about, like, you know, I, I passed an old guy hiking through the woods and he said, it's a great day in the woods, isn't it? You know, just like normal human interaction. And, and for the older people I see out there, that's still standard, right? That's this one year has not totally warped them, the ones that are still getting out and hiking and what have you, to where they they can't function as a human being. But uh, man, I you see some young people. It's still over the over this past weekend, there were people wearing masks in the middle of the woods, and I got one person that did the full turn their back to you as they walk past <laughs> you, <laughs> like like edging along the edge of a cliff to turn their back to you to avoid, you know, eye contact or germs or what, what have you. So this is the, the craziness is out there and sometimes just a smile and hello and maybe even shaking someone's hand just Ooh. might, might have a good impact. So edgy. <laughs> <laughs> Although if they've been vaccinated, you might not want to shake their hand. But it's too much. Okay, uh, how do we end it, gentlemen? Uh, thanks again for being on the show, James. I think Andrew is about to ask if you have any big projects coming up. If you do, that would be cool to hear about. If not, we'll just keep an eye on the website and look what's coming. I will be presenting at the Red Pill Expo, uh, which is taking place. Let me look it up hurriedly. Red Redpillexpo.org. It's uh, going to be in South Dakota, June 5th and 6th. I am not going to be in South Dakota, June oh, 5th and 6th. Boo. I am giving a video presentation. So, <laughs> of course. Uh, uh, of course. Well, yeah, exactly. But um, at any rate, I hope people will check that out. Um, I'm going to be talking about hopium, a brief history of hopium, which <laughs> is uh, th something that I think we need to be con confronting, especially after the past four years, especially in the U.S., the craziness we saw with the political sideshow circus. Um, uh, longer term, I am working on constructing a media history course for Renegade University. I'm going to be giving a three-week seminar, three-lecture seminar uh, for Renegade University, Thaddeus Russell's outfit, um, talking about the history of mass media and where it is today and what that means and why it's important. As I say, as I keep saying, the narrative is absolutely the most important part of this entire agenda. And who sets the narrative? More often than not, it is the mass media that is talking to your zombified neighbors. So I think it's important to confront that issue. And Have, uh, have you picked out the reading list for that? I that haven't course? yet. No, no, I haven't. So that uh, it will be in November. So hopefully I have time. And in between now and then, 9-11 20th anniversary is coming up. I still haven't mm -hmm. decided what I'm going to do for the 9-11. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
I, w- I will say that I've heard I've heard a couple alternative news uh, types talking about Bill Gates and his ties to uh, different medical and hit the way that different medical establishments and the way that his foundation works in, in more recently. And it's kind of funny to listen to people kind of figure this all out. I'm like, man, this is not even half as in depth as the you think this is something. Listen to the last five parts of <laughs> who, who is Bill Gates. Like this is just kind of you have yeah. you barely broached the surface here. You're all excited on your podcast to talk about this. It's like it goes much deeper than that. So I do always appreciate your in-depth analysis. I'm going to ask a question which I think might be edgy, but I do, I, I wanted to just throw it out there just to be sure. Is reportage book dead? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going. Yeah, this is edgy. Uh, I, yeah, no, no, it is not. And it's not dead. In fact, oh, this I is good. I will let you and your audience in on this okay. secret. Okay. Um, I was job. on the verge of having that book published right before this COVID insanity happened. No, I really? was on the last essay of the the collection and getting it uh, edited and making sure it was all nice and eyes dotted t's crossed and then this covid insanity hit and derailed everything in fact at an an anarchopoco last year i was talking to dan dix uh i was going to get him to set up a little canadian book tour for the book launch and he would host the events in vancouver and toronto and calgary and whatever and we were talking about that and obviously that didn't happen and it's probably not going to happen at this point so um but uh, after uh, so 2020 was mostly a write-off in terms of all these big long-term projects I have and all these documentaries and things I'm working on. Um, but this year, I obviously I'm like, well, I'm just going to finish this book because it has now. I literally announced it in 2009. <laughs> I remember. I remember. <laughs> I remember. Well, obviously, Andrew, obviously, make- I'm going to add a few essays from the past year to this collection because it would be insane if I didn't add something from the past year, but it is not going to focus on COVID-1984. It is going to be a collection exactly like it is a collection of things that I've been writing over the course of the past decade from different eras and different time periods and different, even my own personal understanding changing over time, but I'm going to leave that as it is. Um, And I think it reflects pretty much all of the main areas that I've covered over the years. And I think it'll be particularly interesting because I know I've greatly expanded my audience in the past year of a lot of people who are just getting into this stuff who probably won't know about a lot of the the other topics that I've covered and things like that. I I think it'll be valuable. But yes, thank you for the kick in the butt. I really do need to get this done and out the door. So it will happen. It will happen. I'm going to state it it on the record. I'm just not going to give you a time frame. (laughs) Good, good, good. I did. I didn't want to. I didn't know if it was a sore subject. I have a good memory. <laughs> I remember all things, and I remember that you said this was going to happen. I, and Andrew probably could make you feel better because, as Andrew has been, we've been talking about on our show. He wrote a book back in two thousand nine, uh, "Eugenics Wars: A Christian Perspective." Uh, Eugenics Worlds Wars in the New World Order. But there was supposed to be a book after that one, right, Andrew? That didn't ever. Yeah, that didn't ever happen, and that that <laughs> one's not happening. <laughs> So, but and uh, yeah, have, on, on propaganda, I did all the research. I've got a couple notebooks full of quotes and notes, but it's not happening. On that note, would you like to get a copy of the New World Order and Eugenics Wars: A Christian Perspective, James? I would, and I will do it the honest way by donating to your podcast, oh, as everyone who's listening should do. That's very, very, very kind of you. Thank no, you, sir. Th- this is th- this is very important. 
James, because what I have said is that anyone can can get one that wants one. It doesn't. They don't have to donate, and that's going to be important if I ever get audited by the IRS. Because this is yeah, yes. okay, this is yes. I, I am <laughs> I am sending a, a gift. If people want to send a donation, they are welcome to send a donation. It's a exchange of gifts. It is not a exactly. not a business. I will send you guys a gift, and you can send me anything you like in return for that gift. <laughs> Excellent. Well, this is a, yeah, you will see some, uh, some Corbett report uh, quotes on there and, and probably lots of links that don't go anywhere, but you, fortunately (laughs) you've, you've pointed out how to, to get around the, the dead blank issue. So, yep. And more recently on the back of the book, which I was looking at and marveling at the cover of children wearing masks and big vaccines and all the stuff that's on there. Uh, there's a website that says eugenicswars.com, and I thought to myself, self, it's been long enough. I could fix this problem. So if you go to eugenicswars.com, it will take you directly to our support page with a picture of the book, and you can still get it there. So, nice. Um, yeah. Anyway, thanks again, uh, James, for being here. Uh, unless you guys have anything further, we should probably just wrap it up, and uh, we'll talk to you again sometime soon. I hope so. Thank you, James. Take care, guys. A copy of this podcast, as well as links to each story covered, are available at revelationsradionews.com. To contact Andrew and Tim, or to support Revelations Radio News, please visit revelationsradionews.com and click on the Contact tab or Support tab. Please check out the other podcasts at revelationsradionetwork.com and thank you for your support of this podcast. Don't you say-